Hey, can we give the band another hand? Don't they do a great job in a week? Um, so it's fascinating uh, how God works things out. I've been working on this message for a couple weeks, maybe two or three weeks, and um, was even changing stuff on Thursday. It was just like, and, but I had no idea that God was going to set me up so well. Because last night, last night for most of us, we had some storms roll through. Anybody have some storms roll through last night? I had some people that live up in, in Seneca. They came in today on their horse and buggy, and they were telling us that, uh, <laughs> just kidding, messing with. they said it was really bad up there. Um, and I, I just got just, and this is, this is just me, this is my preference. I love a good storm in the distance. Like if I'm at the beach, you know what I'm talking about? When you go to the beach and you've ever seen a storm at sea, have you ever seen a storm at sea? But it's out there. It's out there. And you can see the lightning and you can um, maybe feel a little bit of the gust of the wind or whatever. Um, I like to see it in a distance. Like in the summer in the south, you know, for us, if you live in the southeastern part of the United States, storms in the summer are awesome when they're in a distance. When you can like see the lightning at night and you're sitting out by the fire pit, maybe maybe hypothetically smoking a cigar. Um, like, no, I wouldn't do that, but um, I'm not. Anyway, and, and you're just kind of enjoying it, and you feel the breeze or whatever. Like, I love storms like that. I love to see the storm in a distance. I even love to be in a storm when the storm is what I would call small. Like, when you're going to bed at night. And you lay down, and the rain is kind of hitting the window, and it's, and it's really, you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's awesome. I don't like heavy, I don't like tornado warnings. Um, I don't like when the house starts shaking. I don't like lightning. Um, I've been on a plane landing in the middle of a storm, and those, that absolutely freaks me out. I don't love being in the storm. I love actually making it through the storm, but I don't actually enjoy the process of being in the storm. Now, every once in a while, you'll meet somebody in this world that's they're so heaven, they're so heavenly minded they're no, earth, they're, they're no earthly good. You know what I'm talking about? And they're like, I just love it when I go through a spiritual storm. Well, brother, you ain't been through one. You ain't been through one. Because if, if you've ever gone through a real storm in life, you wouldn't. Number one, you wouldn't wish that on anybody. Number two, you didn't really enjoy it. You, you might have enjoyed the results from it, but you didn't enjoy it while you were going with it. So today, today, we're going to talk about what happens, what are some things that can happen when we go through a storm. And everybody in this room is going to be able, I believe, to identify because you've either gone through a storm, you're in a storm, or you're getting ready for a storm. And so in order to set this up, we're going to talk about one of the most popular storms in the entire Bible. In fact, this storm is so popular, it had an entire chapter in the book of Acts dedicated to it. And I'll set it up like this. It starts out with a guy named Paul. And when the first time we meet Paul in the Bible, he's not a Christian. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you have something in common with somebody in the Bible because the first time we met him, he wasn't a Christian either. In fact, he was hostile to Christians. He killed Christians. Paul, what do you do for a living? I kill Christians. And he became so hostile, he started traveling around, destroying churches as he found them. But Jesus um, rocked his world. Paul met Jesus and completely changed. And Paul went from killing Christians 
to actually going out and telling people they should be Christians. He went from destroying churches to actually going out and building churches. It was, it was crazy. But he started getting some opposition. And strangely enough, the opposition that Paul got was the same opposition that Jesus got. It was from the religious people. And they kept trying to kill him. And they kept trying to, like, he would go to a town, and he would get stoned. He would go to a town, he'd get beat up. He would go to a town, another town, he would get put in prison. And finally, I mean, they, they kept trying to kill him. They couldn't kill him because God had told Paul, you're going to preach the gospel in Rome. So Paul said, I'm going to keep going because God has a call on my life, and these people aren't going to be able to shut me down. But they tried, and ultimately he got arrested. And he got put on a boat, and he was setting sail for a place called Rome. He was going to Rome to stand trial before the gov- before the emperor, actually. And, and when he got put on this boat, the boat was kind of sailing along and went to a couple places, and they got to this one place, and Paul said, I think this is where we should stop and, and stay for the winter. And, and all the people, all the experts were like, Paul, you're a great preacher. Paul, you're a great writer. Paul, you don't know anything about being on a boat. We are professional like boat people, and so we know what should be done. So we're going to take off. And they go out to sea, and the Bible says in Acts 27 that a storm hits. And this storm is severe. And, and I don't know how long exactly the storm was. We know it was at least 14 days. Now, I don't like being in a storm for 14 minutes. Can you imagine being on a boat 2,000 years ago? And there's some people here going, I love a boat. This wasn't a Disney cruise, all right? Which, by the way, they're awesome. This wasn't a Disney cruise. Mickey wasn't coming around, you know, calming all the kids down. This was a boat 2,000 years ago in the middle of an extreme storm. And eventually, they had a, sh- they, they, they had a shipwreck. Now, I skipped a bunch of details in Acts 27. You can go back and read that if you want. But... There's four things that I want to point out that happen as a result of a storm. It happened to Paul in the story, and I believe it happens to us as well. Four things. If you're taking notes, if you want to write this down. Number one, storms take us to new places. Storms take us to new places. Now we're going to do a survey. I need you all to participate. It's an easy question. Two types of people in the room. Two types of people in this room. There's the planners, and then there's the go with the flowers. The planners, you are organized. You are detailed. Some of you actually still use paper calendars. God knows why. You, you, you dot the I's. You cross the T's. Everything has to be planned out and perfect. Go with the flowers, you're like, can we just have fun? Why does everything have to be planned, planned all the time? Can't we just enjoy life. So I just, I'm just kind of curious who I've got in the room. How many planners do I have in the room? Planners. Wow. Okay. How many go with the flowers? All right. Keep your hand up. These are the people that are most likely to smoke weed. Um, just, oh, wow. Those hands went down quick, didn't they? Second chance. The planners will be like, okay, where did the weed come from? Where did it grow? Are we actually in Colorado? Like, like they would have to be asking questions like that. Now, <laughs> y'all know it's true. I'm about 60-40. I'm 60% like go with the flow. But there's a part of me that I've got to make some plans. Like this has to plan. And let me tell you about the planner part of me. The planner part of me is OCD. And if you're a planner, you'll understand. Like, like if I 
plan A, B, and C, A, B, and C have to happen. And it can't be A, C, B. It's got to be A, B, C. If I tell you I'm going to be somewhere at 3 o'clock, I'm there at 2.45. If you're there at 2.55, you're late, okay? I mean, that's the way, that's the way I operate sometimes, okay? So I'm a little bit in both worlds. But one of the things I know is that storms have a way of really messing up our plans, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm 47 years old. I am not where I thought I would be in life. And there are a lot of people in this room that you could say the exact same thing because storms really do take us to new places. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans because a lot of times we tell God our plans and God says, you know what, I've got a different place for you to go. And like fortunately or, fortunately or unfortunately, he gets us there sometimes, or he gets us there most of the time through a storm. Watch this. The, the, the Bible says, Luke writes the gospel, or the book of Acts, and he says this. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Now stop for a minute. I don't know if you ever got lost. Had to figure out where you are. But, but in today's world, all you got to do is pull out your phone, Google Maps, bam, this is where I am. And it has a little blue dot, right? This is where you are. They didn't have that. They were so far off course, they didn't even know what the island was called. Professional sailors did not know the name of the island. So they had, hey, where are we? Excuse me? Yeah, where are we? You're in Malta because they were so far off course. I, I'll show you this um, because I had, I'm a visual person, so I had to see this. When they took off... They took off out of this place called Caesarea. By the way, if, if, when and if we do an Israel trip one day, we will actually spend some time in Caesarea. It's absolutely beautiful at this place. But they traveled here, and they came up through here through Myra, which everybody's been to Myra. Um, and they came down here to a place called Phoenix, not Arizona, another Phoenix. And th they were supposed to go, now watch this, they were supposed to go from here to here. Here to here. Shortest distance between two points, right? It's a straight line. But about right here, they hit a storm. And here is Malta. They didn't even know this place existed because they were supposed to go from here to here. Storms take us. Storms take us sometimes to brand new places, places we would have never gone. Now, here's the good part about the, the end of the story, and I'll tell you this because we're not going to cover it today. There was a sick dude in Malta. He was actually the chief of the island. Paul wound up healing him from his sickness, and then Luke tells us later on he healed every single person on the island, but at the end of the day, storms will take us to new places. And I'll, I'm going to be honest with you, storms are freaking scary. I've heard, listen, I've listened to all the music, I've heard all the songs, I know all the sayings. I still cannot quote unquote praise him in a storm. Have you ever heard that? Preacher's trailer. When you're in the storm, you just need to praise him. Well, thank you so much, brother. Show me how your life is, because when I go through a storm, I'm not praising him. I'm peeing my pants usually is what I'm doing. I can praise him on the other side of the storm, but during the middle of the storm, sometimes I tend to freak out. At the end of the day, I guess I'm just not as godly as the singers that sing about praising him in the storm. If you're in the middle of a storm and you're freaking out, it's not because you don't have enough faith and it's not because you're not a good Christian. It's because you're a human being. But at the end of the day, I can promise you that storm's going to take you to a place that you never thought you would go. For me, my storms have taken me to places 
I never thought I would go. And I've had people ask me this, and I just want to go ahead and answer it for everybody, for me and for everybody in this room. I've had people say, brother, first of all, anytime somebody calls me brother, and it's just going to go south. Aren't you glad you went through what you went through? <laughs> Hell no. Aren't you glad? No, I'm not glad I went through it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about what I can do now. But going, like, aren't you happy? Oh, so you're asking me, am I happy that as a child I was sexually abused? No, I'm not happy about that. I, I, I didn't enjoy that. I've had to go to lots of counseling because of So I didn't enjoy that. But you know what? I can now relate to people that have been sexually abused, and I can have a conversation and help them understand what I've learned and I've understood that it wasn't my fault and that I am not damaged good. See, I can see the results and I can see the benefits of it, but I'm not necessarily glad I went through it. I'm not glad I suffered with anxiety. I'm not glad I've suffered with addiction issues. I'm not glad that those things happened, but they wound up taking me to a place where I can now relate to people that have gone through those issues and say, you know what? I know what you're going through, and I know God still loves you. The storm does not mean that God still loves you. The storm is evidence that God is with you, and he will get you through whatever you're going through because he will never leave us, and he will never forsake us, and he will always be with us. That's what happens in the storm. Now, the second thing a storm does is storms rearrange our relationships. I mean, you want to see who your friends are? Go through a storm. Well, I was, I was in an airport about five or six years ago, and I just want to stop. I'm horrible with names. Horrible. Horrible. I don't, I don't play that game. People come up to me in public. You know who I am? No, and I'm not going to guess. So you either tell me who you are, or we're just going to. I'm just going to call you X. <laughs> I, I, I'm horrible. So, and everybody around me knows this. So I was in a, with a group of people where at airport. A guy comes up to me and says, "Perry, I bet you don't remember me." And I reached out, stuck my hand, and said, "Mr. Shirley, how are you doing?" And every, like everybody around me just like passed out. It was like it's like a charismatic convention, just you know. And we talked for a few minutes, and he walked away, and, like, the person, some people with me came up and said, how, you don't know anybody. How did you know that man? I'm like, well, he, he stepped into my life one time. I'll never forget it. I was, I just started college, and I was, I was broke. I don't know if you've ever been broke. I was broke. I was broke. And I went to a Bible study, and it was one of those Bible studies where you share prayer requests at the end. And um, or, or gossip, whichever one you want. And so I just told everybody, pray for me. I said, I don't have the money to pay for my car payment. It was $123. And um, after the prayer request, prayer time, all my friends scattered. Isn't it funny when you're broke, like all your friends just leave you? <laughs> um, but this guy was in the study. He called his dad. His dad was Mr. Shirley. Mr. Shirley called me and said, can you come over to my house? And I was like, I mean, okay. And I'll go over to his house. And he goes, Handing me a check for $123. See, because of the storm, I, you don't forget. You don't forget people that step up during the storm. And, 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 and the reason this is interesting is because they land on this island called Malta. They have to find out. There wasn't a sign that said, here's Malta. I mean, they had to talk to somebody. 
And Luke tells us the islanders showed us, now keep this phrase, unusual kindness. That phrase is huge. Unusual kindness. And I don't know what they were expecting. I don't know if they were expecting to be attacked or I don't know if they were expecting cannibals to come out, like cook them or whatever. I don't know what they were expecting. But Luke said it was unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Unusual kindness. Isn't it? Isn't it incredible when you're going through a storm that you can find somebody that'll show you unusual kindness? Because I've discovered that storms, when it comes to relationships, storms do a couple things. The first thing they do is they clear people out. You can go through, many of you in this room have gone through a storm, thought you had a friendship, and after the storm looked around and nobody was around you. It cleared some people out. And let me just say this. I'm going to preach this until the day I die. If somebody has been cleared out of your life, if somebody walked away from you in the storm, you've got to let go of anger. You've got to let go of bitterness. You've got to let go of that person. They were in your life for a season, and now they're gone. And for whatever reason, they're gone. Listen, us being angry and bitter only hurts us. You've got to let them go. The storm cleared them out. And you thought they would be with you and stand by your side forever and they're not there anymore. You got to let them go. Now, some, I've had people say, well, you haven't truly forgiven somebody until you've reconnected the relationship. Well, that's not true. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I mean, one of the dumbest. Like, for example, like, the guy, the, the guy that molested me when I was a kid, I've forgiven him, totally forgiven him. If he called me up and asked me, did I wanna, do I want to go to coffee, I wouldn't go. I don't hate him. I just don't want to have coffee with him. Does that mean I hadn't forgiven him? No. Let, let's say this. Let's say I called you, and I said, listen, can we have lunch tomorrow? And you said, absolutely. We go to lunch. Right when we get there, I walk in, you walk in, and I, I, I just take my open hand, and I slap you in the face. Now, for some of you, you just wear me out, and that'd be the end of it. But, and, I, and as soon as I did that, I went, listen, listen, I, am, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? You'd probably go, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess so. That's, that's all right. Listen, let, and let me make it. And I called you later on that night, and I said, listen, let me make that up. Let, let's, have, let's have lunch tomorrow. Um, and... <laughs> Because I feel bad about what happened today. And you went, all right, all right. So as soon as we walk in, we walk in, we're face to face. I take my hand, open hand, slap you again. And as soon as I do it, I go, I can't stop. <laughs> would, would you forgive me? And you, you, let's just say, just hypothetically, you go, yeah, yeah, we'll let this one, we'll let this one go. We'll let this one go. Night, night, I call you. And I say, listen. I was wondering if, if it'd be okay if we went to lunch tomorrow. You would, you would go, N you know what, I got, I got plans. I, I've got a kidney thing I got to get done. I, 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 like, like you would, now, you might not hate me, but you don't want to hang out with me. And, and it's just it's sometimes God uses the storm to clear some people out. But the beautiful thing is, and this is what we see in this text, God uses the storm to bring people in. The people that step into your life in the middle of a storm 
those are people that you can count on for the rest of your life. I, I, have, I have discovered firsthand that God has brought some people into my life during the storm, and those are the people, listen, the people that see you in the storm and get to see you at your worst and still hang out with you, that's who you can depend on. And, and while it's heartbreaking sometimes to see who God cleared out, we need to focus more on who God has brought in and celebrate that. Which leads to the third thing. This is where it's really, this is where it really gets intense. Storms expose our insecurities. Once again, survey time. The only reason I do this is to get some of y'all practicing raising your hands. Some of y'all are charismatic and you have no problem doing this, but some of you come from like a Lutheran background. You've never raised your hand in your life. So, so we're trying to get you there. We're trying to get you there. Um, let's talk about pets. I'm a pet fan. I love like that movie, The Secret Life of Pets. I'm going to see it. I'm, I'm going. I don't know if Karis is going or not, but I love movies about pets except The Marley and Me. We talked about that a few weeks ago. I love pets. So I'm just kind of curious. It was interesting to see last service. How many people have a dog? Raise your hand. Good God. Dogs are awesome. I have a dog. His name is Chance. Most of you know about him. He's, he's okay today. He, he got demon-possessed yesterday. We got it exercised. He's fine now. He's, he's good. Uh, how many have a cat? I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to make fun. I'm not making fun. If I, I, if I lived in the country, I would have a cat because they, like, kill rats and, and yes, yeah, yeah, that was my next thing. I don't want you to raise your hand on this next one because I don't want to know. But there are some people on this planet that have a pet snake. Don't, don't, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking because if you don't, don't, just don't. Because that is a pet that will eat you. Like you can't cuddle with Sammy the snake, right? Because you all look at Sammy and you wake up and you're in Sammy's belly because Sammy just ate your butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand why anybody would have a snake. Snakes freak me out. In fact, I was hanging out with some friends last summer. We were walking along. There was a black snake, and I'm like, kill that thing. They're like, no, 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 no. Don't kill the black snake because the black snake kills the other snakes. And I'm like, no, no, no. The only good snake is a I am preaching right now when you can finish the sentence. So I don't like snakes. I don't like stories about snakes. I don't like pictures of snakes. I shouldn't have told y'all that. You're going to blow me up on social media this week with pictures of snakes. I'll block your butt. Because, but but th thinking about that, thinking about how most of us, most of us, most of us sane people that are going to go to heaven one day don't like snakes. Um, and, if you do, and if you have a pet snake, I'm not calling you out. You just need to let it go today. <laughs> let it go. Watch this. Paul, now, now think about this. Paul's been, Paul's been everywhere. He's been everywhere he goes. People are trying to kill him. He's getting put in jail. He's getting beaten up. He's getting rocks thrown in him. He at him. He finally gets on a boat. There's a storm on the boat. The boat crashes. He lands in Malta. People are being nice. They build a fire. And all he wants to do is sit down by the fire. Some of you know exactly, especially you moms, all I want, if I could just get five minutes, I just want five minutes. Could I not get, that's all he wanted. And he's trying to participate, but the Bible says Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper, that's, that's freaking deadly, driven out by the heat, 
fastened itself on his hand. Now, Luke is a doctor, but I could have gone with the snake bit him because I'm a visual person. And I can see Paul holding his hand up and the snake just fastened on his hand. Not bit him, fastened on his hand. Paul, what's up? What's up, snake? I mean, like, like, (laughs) that's, that's, if you're a visual person, you're getting queasy right now. You're starting to go, hold on, it gets worse. It gets worse. So the snake is, and, and, and by the way, if I'm Paul, this is my, I've had enough moment with God. Beatings, shipwrecks, torture, all you're trying to do is sit down by the fire and you get bit by a snake. I'm like, come on! But, but, Paul didn't do that. Watch this. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, thank you very much, Luke, for reinforcing that, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. They didn't try to help him. They just sat back and talked about him. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this because I was thinking about this and I couldn't get past this. The snake bit Paul. The snake bit Paul. The snake, where, where, where is the first place in the Bible that we see a snake? We have to go all the way back to Genesis 3. And when Satan tempted Eve, he took the form of a snake, right? And so you got the snake that, that kind of works its way through scripture. And here you see Paul attacked by a snake. And as the viper is hanging from his hand, people around him start to accuse him. And they accuse him accurately based on who he was. They say, hey, this man must be a murderer. And he was a murderer at one time, but now he was proclaiming The gospel, but here we see Paul coming face to face with accusation. And every single one of us in this room know what it's like to feel the weight of accusation from the enemy. You know what's dangerous about accusation? There's some truth to it. Paul was a murderer, but now he's not a murderer. Like, for example... Accusation. Let's say you leave today and say, I'm never going back to Second Chance. Why? Pastor P is a Carolina fan. He loves the Gamecocks. He talks about the Gamecocks all the time. He, he wears Carolina colors. He cheers for them during football season. I think it's ridiculous how much he cheers for the Gamecocks, and I'll never go back. Well, everybody that knows me is going to laugh. Every, I'm going to laugh because... That, that would be an accusation that simply is not true. Most of you know, I don't care if Carolina ever wins another game for the history of the world. If the Communist Party formed a football team, I would cheer for them over I would the Gamecocks, just so you know. Like, that's not going to, that accusation is not going to bother me. But if you call me a drunk, well, that'll sting. Because I'm not a drunk, but I used to be. See what accusation does? It brings up a part of your past that's true and begins to pull you down. If you left here today and said, I'm never going back to second chance, why? Pastor P was smoking crack in the parking lot. That wouldn't bother me. 
You know why? Because I got, I'm not, I've never smoked crack. And if I did, I wouldn't do it in the parking lot. Hello? I mean, I just, that's just crazy. That accusation isn't going to bother me. But if you say, I can't go to that church because that pastor's been a part of a failed relationship. Well, see, that stings. Because there's some truth to it. See, accusation, the reason accusation tends to pull us down and hold us back from what God wants us to do is because there's an element of it that's true. And there's somebody in here that you're wrestling. You're wrestling with what happened rather than celebrating what is happening. Because you can't get past the affair or you can't get past the addiction or you can't get past all the, the, the abortion or you can't get past that thing that happened. And every time you seem to get a break, the enemy latches itself to you and tries to pull you back through the power of accusation. And there's some people here today in this room, and there's some people watching online that you've never been able to get past your past and what you did haunts you even until this day. Which leads to point number four. Storms refocus our purpose. Storms refocus our purpose. In the sixth grade, I was starting for my football team. And I was, I was a big boy. I was huge. Not like muscle, but like, like Golden Corral huge. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got it. And, and uh, there was a day that I was, I was real lazy in practice. I was just super, super lazy. I was like missing my blocks because I played offensive line. I'm missing my blocks. And this was, the, this was the early 80s where the football coaches then and today, a little bit different, a little bit different. Um, like you didn't get water during practice. You just didn't get water. You just, I mean, kid dehydrate and pass out. I mean, you just, well, just let him lay there. He'll get up. He'll, he'll eventually get up. And they did. They eventually always got up. So I remember one day my coach came to me because I was missing my blocks. And he grabs me by my face mask. And he calls me some things that I won't even say a second chance. Um, and, like, he calls me some things. And he goes, you know what you're going to do? You're going to run the ball. And you're going to feel what it feels like to get hit when, you, when your blockers don't block for you. And I was like, all right. Because I was the biggest boy on the team. There was nobody going to take me out. I was like, fine, let's, let's do this. I'm going to become the new running back, baby. <laughs> so I'm in the backfield. I'm so excited. I'm about to get my first. The quarterback's going to take the ball. He's going to hand it to me. What he didn't tell me, what the coach didn't tell me, is there's a kid about half my size. Um, I was in sixth grade. He was in the fifth grade. His name was Tony. He was quick. He was one of the best athletes on the team. He played safety, so he came on a safety blitz. I never saw him coming. I get the ball. I take one step, helmet to helmet. Bam! I am on the ground. <laughs> I got back up, and my helmet was turned a little bit, so I couldn't see out of this eye. And I was like, I'm blind! I can't see! And my coach kind of comes over, and he... He grabs me by the, I'm 90% sure I had a concussion. I couldn't, like, my grandchildren are going to feel the effect of this, right? And he grabs me by my face mask, and he straightens it up. And I'm like, coach, oh, my, I can't. And I never will forget, he looked at me, he said, hey, boy, shake it off. Shake it off. And I'm like, okay, what's that mean? He's like, get back in there. So I went over, threw up, got back in the game, and kept playing. I don't remember a thing for the rest of the day. 
but I never will forget my coach's words, shake it off. I know you got hit, but get up and shake it off. I know you don't feel like playing, but get up and shake it off. And the reason I want to say that is because in this text of Scripture, I love Paul's response. Because while he's getting bit, and everybody's standing around him, and everybody's accusing him, and everybody's tearing him down, it doesn't seem to bother Paul because Luke tells us, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire. Paul just shook it off. He'd been listening to Taylor Swift on his iPod all morning, shake, shake, shake it off. Paul just shook it off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Now, watch how people's opinions change. Watch this. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. He's a murderer. He should have died. I think I'll worship him. Like that, that's, that's what happened. And it happened because Paul shook it off. Now, how was Paul able to shake it off? It's very simple. Paul knew he had a calling on his life. Paul knew there was a divine assignment for him. Paul knew that God had told him he was going to preach the gospel in Rome. So wherever Paul went, he was like, you know what? I'm not going to die in this prison. I'm going to shake this off because God has bigger plans with me. You know what? I'm not going to die even though they're throwing rocks at me because God has a bigger plan for me. You know what? I'm in the middle of the storm, but I can't die in this storm. And the reason I can't die in this storm is because there's a divine assignment on my life and God has bigger plans with me for me. And when he gets bit by a snake, one of the deadliest snakes on the planet, Paul says, you know what? I got bitten, but I'm not going to become bitter, and it's not going to beat me down because at the end of the day, God's got a plan for my life. And just like God had a plan for Paul's life, God has a plan for your life too. God has a plan for your life too. And today, he's telling somebody, you need to shake it off. I know it hurts. I know it's, I know it's a struggle. I know it's a pain. But by the authority given to you by the power of Jesus Christ today, you can shake it off. I know you struggle. I know you struggle with accusation. I wrestle with it too, but I had to finally come to the conclusion that God is not in love with some future version of you. He loves you as you are right now. I don't care if you're a saint or a sinner. God loves both and everybody in between. I don't care if you've been bitten. I don't care how far down you feel like you've fallen. God loves you right now. And I don't know what you feel about yourself. And I don't know what the enemy told you this week. But let me tell you what I believe God told me to tell you this week. That in Christ, every single person in this room, you're forgiven. That means for all sins, past, present, and future, you are forgiven in Christ. Every single person in this room is unconditionally loved in Christ. He didn't say, I love you if. He said, I love you, period. Every single person in this room in Christ is accepted as you are right now. He's not waiting on you to change. He took care of that change at the cross. Every single person in this room is not forsaken. He has not left you in the storm. In fact, the only reason we made it through the storm is he was with us in the storm the whole time and we can see it as we look back. And every single person here today is covered by his grace. No matter what you've done, no matter what has happened, no matter how hard you fell, you are covered by the grace of God. Every single person. You may have sinned well, but you can't out the way he can save. 
We serve a God that's bigger than our past. And in Christ, all of us have the potential of an amazing future. So shake it off today. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Jesus, thank you so much that in you, in you, we have the authority, we have the ability to step out of our past and step into a future, to step out of our history and step into our destiny. God, we can shake it off. Anything the enemy tried to put on us, we can shake it off and we can step into a secure future knowing, God, that you love us unconditionally and we are saved not by our efforts but by your grace with heads bowed and eyes closed I don't know what kind of storm you feel like you've been going through but I know a God that can get you through the storm and on the other side use it for more good than you've ever imagined but I know there are people in this room that feel like you're stuck in that storm and you can't get out I understand what that's like there's some long and lonely nights. Right now, just in your heart, if you're in that storm, just tell him, just say, Jesus, <laughs> I'm giving this storm to you. And I'm not going to listen to the voice of the accuser. I'm going to listen to the voice of the one who paid the price for my sin. I am not who they say I am, Jesus. Help me to believe I am who you say I am. Forgiven, unconditionally loved accepted, not forsaken, covered by his grace. That's who we are in Christ. If you're here today, and listen, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, let me, let me show you right here on the screen. Just look this way. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart today, you can be forgiven, accepted, not forsaken, covered by his grace because you are unconditionally loved. Jesus wants to save you today. That's the reason you're in church is to hear Jesus wants to come in your life and take over and give you a brand new start. So if that's you and you want to pray to receive Christ today in this room, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to pray in your heart, Jesus, I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave. Right now I receive you into my life. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed to receive Jesus, if you just prayed in this room, I'm going to count to three, and when I hit three, I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. If you just prayed to receive Christ, amen. Anybody else? You just prayed to receive Christ. If you're online, put your hand up. Father, I thank you for every single hand that we've seen today. Father, I thank you that you can strengthen us through our storms. I pray for those here today that feel so much stress from the storm. In fact, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're like, this storm is about to crush me. I don't know how I'm going to make it one more day. I don't know how I'm going to make it one more week. We have a group of people here staff and volunteers that would love to pray with you or pray for you. And if you need someone to pray for you, let me promise you, this is the safest place in the world to say, I'm in a storm and I need, I need someone to pray with me. If that's you and you need someone to pray with you today, 
I want you to just step out of your aisle right now and walk out the back doors of this facility. There's four exit doors in the back. And you just step out and go, because we would love to pray with you while you're going through what you're going through. And don't look up to see if anybody's moving, because somebody always moves. Don't waste an opportunity. Say, I need some help. I need some help with what I'm going through. I need some help getting past my past. I need some help wrestling with my present. You just go out the back door and somebody will meet you there. We've got a group of staff and volunteers that love to meet you. Jesus, thank you so much that you have moved here today. Father, I pray that we would leave. God, encouraged. Those watching online would be encouraged, God. Forgiven. Unconditionally loved. Accepted. Not forsaken. Covered by your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Hey. Y'all come back for Mother's Day. I won't yell at y'all as much next week. I got a little excited right there at the end. So, but Mother's Day is going to be awesome. I love y'all. God bless. See you next week.